and welcome to another episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. I am your host, Teresa Marks, a senior wealth strategist at CIBC Private Wealth in the U.S. I am joined today by my colleague, Judy Sachs, also a senior wealth strategist at CIBC Private Wealth. In today's episode, Judy and I will discuss a few strategies that may help you effectively achieve your charitable goals. Whether you have only just begun to consider incorporating philanthropy into your plan, or if you already have well-defined goals and aspirations. This is part four in our four-part series focused on philanthropy. Okay, let's get started. With a large transfer of wealth going to occur over the next several decades, philanthropy is, is playing a big role in that. And so clients are often looking for how can they make charitable gifts, you know, maybe from a tax planning perspective, from a philanthropic perspective. So what are some of the strategies that clients often use to accomplish their charitable goals, maybe while getting some tax benefits? Yeah, there really are a variety of different ways to give money. Obviously, the most easy one is writing a check. But beyond that, sometimes people want to do different things for different reasons. And so um, a very popular strategy for philanthropic giving is something called a charitable remainder trust. And the concept there is it is a trust and that individuals can give property to this trust, but still retain the right to receive some form of, um, if you will, income from the trust each year or, or a stream of payments from the trust so that they're not relinquishing control over the assets entirely. And in fact, it will only go to charity at the end of either a term of years or at the end of an individual's life. Or sometimes even if it's a married couple, it might go for one spouse and then another spouse and then eventually to charity. So what's great about that is it gives people an opportunity to feel like they're engaged in philanthropy currently, they're making decisions about where their money will go to, but yet they're not relinquishing control over the assets as they would if they just wrote a check to a charity. So they essentially keep that, that the income stream or the, an, an annual payment but know that the, the charity is going to receive assets in the end. Right, and what's also great about that type of trust and why it's often used is many people who are thinking about philanthropy often have certain assets that lend themselves well to a charitable remainder trust. Mm -hmm. And particularly one of those assets is um, stock. There could be a significant capital gain if mm -hmm. they sold the stock. Mm -hmm. Instead, they can transfer that stock to a charitable remainder trust, and then the trustee of that trust can sell it immediately and not recognize any gain in that year. And that gain is spread out over the payments, which could be for the lifetime of that individual. So it really takes away that tax hit. And during that time period, the assets that are sold can be invested, diversified, continue to grow, and not only for the benefit of the individual who created the trust, who might not have been able to sell that stock on their own uh, you know, because of the gains, but also the benefit of that portfolio growing for the long term for, for charity. Mm -hmm. So it's really quite um, a powerful strategy. And the charitable remainder trust, we're talking about maybe the charity receiving funds several years down the road. What if, they, what if a client wants to, wants to benefit the charity today? Is there a similar type of trust that, that they can use? Yes, exactly. Um, and there's a different type of trust for that, which is called a charitable lead trust. 
And they're, they're similar yet different. And what I didn't mention earlier is that with a charitable remainder trust, when you make that initial contribution into the trust, you get an immediate tax deduction you know, for the value of the remainder interest going to charity. By contrast with a charitable lead trust, that may be an option, but often a charitable lead trust is used for more estate planning reasons. And so a charitable lead trust is most appropriate for an individual who knows they give to charity each year, and they sort of have a regular pattern of giving to one or more charities, and they kind of know the amount that they're used to giving, but yet they feel that in the end, they may be able to leave something for their family down the road. So they're not willing to give it all up, but they want to give a stream of income to charity, but then provide for their family at the end. So it's the inverse of a charitable remainder trust. So, um, and it's typically not done for the same income tax reasons that the charitable remainder trust is, but it, it has an overall long-term estate tax benefit. So if a client isn't, maybe doesn't want to do a trust, um, we often hear things like, we, a lot of people talk about donor advised funds and private foundations. So what is a donor advised fund and how do clients use that for philanthropic giving? So a donor advised fund is an extremely popular technique with a lot of our clients. And typically a donor advised fund is something either set up by a community foundation or in many cases by financial institutions. And what they are are big pools of money that basically individuals can contribute to the donor advised fund, but they have a specific account set up in their name. And they can advise the community foundation or the financial institution of how those funds get used. But what's particularly great about it, back to the stock example, is you can put it in, a stock into such a donor advised fund right in year one, get a tax deduction for the amount that you've contributed, the full amount that you've contributed, and you can arrange for the investment of the assets inside the donor advised fund and let it grow. And you, you're not obligated to give it to charity right at the year of contribution. You may, but many people use invest it and use it as a pool of funds that they direct charitable contributions for many years to come and even grow it over the long term so that family can participate, be involved, and leave it as a legacy for the next generation. So they're easy to set up. They have really great tax benefits associated with them and um, you know, provide for a good amount of flexibility for uh, families looking to not be too complex with setting up structures that require a lot of legal or accounting uh, work. So the family gets to decide when and to whom gifts are made. Exactly. So, and there's no requirement, certain number percentage, like there is often, often with foundations. Exactly right. Okay. So it sounds like it's a lot in the hands of the family, but with a lot, out a lot of the, a lot of flexibility. The background work. <laughs> exactly. A lot of flexibility with a lot less administrative mm -hmm. um, difficulty. Mm -hmm. So what about private foundations? They often, I think clients that consider donor advised funds also consider private foundations. So how do they differ? And you know, maybe why would someone select a private foundation over a donor advised fund? Yeah, it's a really good question because I think it's become quite popular to do the donor advised funds. But as I mentioned, in the donor advised funds, you're limited to the investments that's available with either the community foundation or the financial institution that you're involved with. Plus, you have the right to advise where distributions are made. And typically, charities, for the most part, the donor advice funds will send it out as you've requested. But what private foundation is really yours. It's an entity that you set up that you have full control over the administration, the investments, the distributions. Um, 
to charity. That being said, it's also more complex because it's something that you set up. So whereas the financial institutions or the community funds handle all the administration for a donor-advised fund, for a private foundation, you have to somehow arrange that on your own. And there are tax filings that need to be done. There are, unlike with a donor-advised fund, amounts you must distribute out 5% each year um, of the value of the account. So there is a little bit of pressure to figure out how do you, you know, as these foundations grow, making sure that you have a plan in place for how that how distributions will be made to to charity. So I think some people even combine the two so that um, they might have a donor advised fund as a backstop to a private foundation because if they don't have a place or a charity to give out from the private foundation, they may park some of the funds with a donor advised fund. Um, I think why people like foundations more than donor advised funds, particularly for larger families with larger contributions, is because there's more opportunity to design things the way that you want to. Um, there's slightly more, I would say, liberal rules in terms of how you can use foundations to benefit individuals um, in certain circumstances or to benefit types of charities or to start programs or to invest in, you know, in, in an impactful way because you can make the choices yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of clients at a larger level like the flexibility of the foundation and the fact that they can set up the governance and begin to involve family and others in the whole giving plan. So it's almost like a trade-off. You get a little bit more administrative complex complexity, but you get a little bit more control and maybe flexibility from an investment perspective. So it's really about weighing those, those options and really what's most important to the client. Exactly right. And none of these are really mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. To be honest, you know, many families combine aspects of all of the things that we've talked about today into their planning. Thank you to Judy for sharing her valuable insights on charitable strategies. To summarize, if you are thinking about philanthropy, there are many options and strategies to choose from, both those we highlighted here as well as others. It really comes down to choosing what strategy works best to meet your philanthropic goals and objectives. And in fact, you don't have to choose just one, especially if your goals are better served through leveraging multiple strategies. At the end of the day, it's really about choosing the strategy or strategies that help you achieve those important philanthropic goals. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. We hope you found this topic interesting and that you will continue to explore the variety of wealth planning topics available to you on this channel. Thank you and have a great day. CIBC Private Wealth Management includes CIBC National Trust Company, CIBC Delaware Trust Company, CIBC Private Wealth Advisors Incorporated, all of which are wholly owned subsidiaries of CIBC Private Wealth Group LLC and the private banking division of CIBC Bank USA. All of these entities are wholly owned subsidiaries of Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. This document is intended for informational purposes only, and the material presented should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Concepts expressed are current as of the date of this publication only and may change without notice. Such concepts are the opinions of our investment professionals, many of whom are chartered financial analyst charter holders or certified financial planner professionals. 
Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards Incorporated owns the certification marks CFP and Certified Financial Planner in the U.S. There is no guarantee that these views will come to pass. Past performance does not guarantee future comparable results. The tax information contained herein is general and for informational purposes only. CIBC Private Wealth Management does not provide legal or tax advice, and the information contained herein should only be used in consultation with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors. To the extent that information contained herein is derived from third-party sources, although we believe the sources to be reliable, we cannot guarantee their accuracy. The CIBC logo is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Investment products are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.